Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nat Town. Welcome to Nat's Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from Federal Baseball on the line after the Washington Nationals beat the New York Mets 3-1 to in City Field, improved to 52-36 and on the year, tying the record for the most wins in the first half since baseball returned to D.C. in 2005. With that 2005 team, I should mention, who totally tanked after that, but that won't happen this year. Steven Strasburg on the mound, Dave. <laughs> a 14-game winning streak going into tonight. It stretched back to a loss to the Mets last September, 11-0 on the year, 2-0 versus the Mets with a 2-1-3 ERA, three walks, 21 Ks, and 12 and two-thirds innings pitch versus New York. Uh, three scoreless hitless on 40 pitches, four scoreless and hitless on 59, just two walks through there. Uh, as Drupal Cabrera, solo shot to start the fifth, though, 3-1 to one at that point. 9Ks, 85 pitches through six. He comes back out for the seventh, uh, finishes up at 108 pitches, three walks on the day, a few very angry glares towards the umpire, whose strike zone he really didn't like most of the day, and especially not in that last inning. But Strasburg improves to 12-0 and on the year, another dominant start by him. And just really impressive what he's come back from the DL stint, uh, hit, hitless outing, through most of the game last time out and flirts with a no-hitter again tonight. Yeah, you know, first of all, I'll never get tired of, of comparing uh, season records to this point in the season to the 2005 team. Like, like they had any business at the break <laughs> of having 50 wins. I mean, we could, we could go get nine people off the street, and, and you and me, and go play the, the 2005 team to a draw. I mean, that, how that team had 50 wins at the All-Star break is just, uh, mind-numbingly weird, but anyway, Strasburg was was fantastic again tonight. Um, you know, this uh, you know two straight starts now coming off the DL where he's been uh, unhittable for the most part, and you you think that that um, that he might finally feel like he's got something to prove here, and um, just keeps going out and striking guys out, and um, you know, inducing ground balls when, when he needs to, and um, just uh, just another perfect performance. And, and as far as the home plate umpire. Uh, a gentleman whose name I'm not even going to bother to mention since he's a triple-A fill-in, and by tonight's uh, performance, I, I hardly think he's going to be getting a full-time job at the Major League level anytime soon because his strike zone just floated up and down all night long. He, he, he couldn't see over the catchers to call the outside corners, but as far as the top of the strike zone goes, one time it was a strike, one time it's not. Both um, both hitters and, and pitchers uh, alike were, were, were giving in the side eye, and uh, there was more than, than – um, more than just mutterings under the breath. I mean, there were, you know, the, the home plate microphones were picking up audible complaints um, almost every single batter. So he did not distinguish himself this evening, but Steven Strasburg did. Uh, just another terrific performance from him tonight. We'll get tonight's nearly impossible trivia question out of the way early. Steven Strasburg took the mound with a 14-start winning streak. Uh, trailing only General Crowder, who won 15 straight in 1932 and 33, and one other pitcher who won 17 straight in 1930 and 31. Who has the longest winning streak among starters in D.C. baseball history? <laughs> um, kiss my ass. It's, it's not. It's, it's not the the obvious one. It's well, it's not nope. Walter Johnson, so I don't have any idea. Furpo Marbury, who's won 17 straight in 1930 and 31, but Strasburg ties General Crowder for the second longest winning streak in D.C. baseball history. Goes back to last Wasn't September, Wasn't Furpo Marbury a reliever? 
Oh, it might not be starters then. I didn't double check. I can't imagine he won 17 straight as a reliever, but maybe that's possible if they were spread out over a while. It was spread out over two years. So I got to point out the fault in our trivia, for God's sakes. On the mound for the Mets tonight. <laughs> Noah Sidergaard, 7-1 and one with a 2-3-0 ERA, 74 Ks and 62 and a third. Uh, in 10 games, 11 starts going back to May 11th for the Mets game notes fun with arbitrary endpoint segment. Uh, five earned runs allowed in his last 38 and two-thirds innings pitch in City Field. One and one with a 4-5-0 ERA and two starts for the Nats this season. Clint Robinson takes him deep in the second two-run home run. Uh, just fed one right into his sweet spot. He took it out the right field for a 2 nothing lead early. RBI double by Daniel Murphy in the third. 3 nothing at that point. He leaves the game in the fifth after 79 pitches when they saw his velocity drop significantly. Uh, they, Terry Collins just said after the game that he told him on the mound he uh, just – Lost it, essentially. They're calling it arm fatigue. He's been dealing with an elbow issue, a bone spur in his elbow recently. Really don't like to see what's going on with these Mets starters. They're all super talented pitchers and guys you want to go out there and compete against and beat. But to see them all going down with injuries like this, it's really tough to take, though not too surprising considering how young they were when they uh, went all the way to the World Series last year. Yeah, it's um, it's really hard to watch. I mean, you know, the, on the day that they find out that, uh, um, you know, that one of them is having season-ending surgery, another one leaves the game, um, and, it, and it's a disturbing thing. I mean, to, to watch a guy who should hit 96, 97 with his fastball and all of a sudden he's throwing 91, 92 um, in the span of two pitches, it's just um, – that just sets off, uh, you know, alarms all over the place and, and you know, the – um, Rene Rivera, the Mets catcher tonight, you know, automatically signal for the bullpen to, to come and get him. And um, it's just, it's a, you're right, it's a tough thing to watch. Um, I think anybody that's a real baseball fan wants to uh, see the best at their best and um, to watch the, the Mets pitching staff here imploding due to injury is just um, not a fun thing. I mean, I know that they're the Nets' chief rivals in the division right now, but, but you shouldn't wish injury on anyone. And, and to, just to see, um, you know, guys like this um, uh, just, just, you know, go by the wayside due to the arm injury. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing as a baseball fan to watch. Hmm, I'm going to have to pull out game logs to check on our trivia question. But in 1930 and 31, Purple Marbury was a part-timer, uh, 33 games, 22 starts, and 30, 42, uh, 45, and 25, and 31, so... I just wanted to double-check on our trivia since I had a second to look there while you were talking. Oh, well, we will have to check on some other day. Going back to Strasburg really quickly, though, uh, we got the news today Got the news today that he's not going to pitch in the All-Star game. I was kind of hoping for a, a start from him if he was going to pitch in the All-Star game. I'm kind of happy also that he's not going to waste any pitches in a meaningless game, regardless of what the home field advantage idea tells you. But, Max Scherzer named for the All-Star game. Apparently, Max was absolutely thrilled that he's going to get to go to a second straight All-Star game with the Nationals here. Uh, any issues with Strasburg not pitching, even in his hometown, or are you kind of on my side with rather not having pitching in an exhibition game? Yeah, it's a little disappointing, but having only made two starts coming off the disabled list, um, you don't want to disrupt his normal workflow here. And, and you know, for a starting pitcher in the All-Star game, and all that is is just a disruption. So uh, I think Strasburg is the kind of guy that he's, um, you know, a lot like Mike Messina was famously a very regimented guy 
wants to do the same thing every five days, you know, the, the, the exact same preparation and that type of thing. So I don't think, uh, um, I, you know, while he, he might be disappointed to not get a chance to pitch in, in his hometown of San Diego, I think that, uh, um, you know, for the Nats and for him, uh, he's probably better served by uh, going and participating and, and, and not actually pitching. Um, I think for Max Scherzer, I think it's the complete opposite. I think he's an adrenaline junkie and, um, you know, gets up for that type of thing. He's always ready with the spikes to to pinch run late in games if he has to. So um, I think he's he's all over it. I think he will – uh, relish the opportunity to pitch if if he gets to it, and um, it, it's it's neat to see a, a veteran like that get so excited about uh, about being named even as a replacement to the All Star team. After Strasburg was done with seven innings on the mound, in which he gave up two hits, Sean Kelly came on without recording anyone, matched that hit total, gave up a double and a single to start the frame. Oliver Perez comes on, retires Curtis Granderson, and then Blake double play trying in comes on. Runners on the corners, one out, and gets a double play. Four six three to end the Mets eighth. Keep it three to one there. Really nice job by two thirds of the relievers who came out there. Kelly, you know, I was listening on the radio for most of the night, so I don't know if he was up in the zone. Maybe you could uh, add a little insight on that. But trying and coming out and getting that double play when really needed in a three one game. Really a impressive ability to throw that double play pitch, as you like to say. <laughs> yeah, you know, Kelly was just throwing meatballs, and I didn't really have. Uh... Um, that late life that he's got on his fastball. And it's, it's interesting that uh, um, the radio guys mentioned that, that his last two appearances hasn't even thrown a slider. And, um, you know, his slider is really his bread and butter pitch. So I don't know if Mike Maddox is getting in his ear about using the fastball more more than, uh, um, you know, hiding the slider and only using it when he absolutely has to. But wasn't particularly effective tonight. But, um, but Oliver Perez was. And I'm kind of surprised that he came out so easy and not wanting to get another um, at bat uh, since he got two base hits yesterday. It's it's tough when a guy's on a streak to pull him out. But um, and and then like you mentioned, Trinan came in and uh, served up the, the ground ball double play, and that was just a um, a really nice play defensively to get that turned over as well. Uh, uh, Murphy with the with the stop the backhand flip, and then the rifle from Espinosa. And um, you know you've mentioned it any opportunity you can, but I'll I'll bring it up here. It, it's been fun to watch him play shortstop this year. I know he's relished the opportunity and whether he finishes the year um, as the Nats shortstop or, or with the Nats at all, um, you know, he, he's also he's, – he's been a lot of fun to watch at shortstop this year. Don't look now. I was told on Twitter we're only allowed to say positive things about Jonathan Pappelbon tonight, so that's what I'll do. <laughs> He has looked better since he came off the DL. Maybe that issue was an issue beforehand that was leading to some of his issues on the mound. Uh, he comes out tonight with a – where is his pitch count? 11 pitch, six strike, one, two, three frame to earn the save. His 18th save of the season in 20 opportunities, I believe, unless I missed a blown save somewhere along the line. But comes out there with a dominant ninth, keeps it three to one. The Nationals take the second game of four in City Field. What do you think about Applebaum's work the last two outings? Yeah, he's he's been good. I mean, tonight he was able to generate a couple of lazy fly balls and a strikeout. Um, you know, he's still not throwing a very high percentage of strikes, but uh, he's getting guys to, to swing at his slop. And, um, you know, the, the one thing that he's got going for him is that, uh, um, you know, guys aren't making hard contact on him right now. So, um, you know, I, I I would make a joke about how he's playing up his trade value here, but I don't think the Nats have any uh, uh, possibility or inkling of trading him at the, at the, at the, um, the, the trading deadline. So I'll just say that it's, uh, it's good to see him performing 
um, well enough to get the job done, but not so well that um, that there's any threat of him getting a contract extension. <laughs> Aside from pa- calling his stuff slop, I think that was a mostly positive commentary on Jonathan Papelbon, so we'll take it. Twitter will be happy with us. Getting to the pregame stuff, uh, Ryan Zimmerman lands on the DL, the rib cage issue, uh, kind of assuming the way Dusty Baker described it, that it was either going to be an oblique or a, a rib cage. I don't know how you distinguish between the two, where, where it, one stops and the other starts. But he goes on the DL, hoping they'll be back after the break. Uh, Lucas Giolito, who we'll talk about in a minute, because I, I was watching the game live in City Field last night. I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, I assume you were watching on TV, but... Zim to the DL, Trey Turner back up, Michael A. Taylor back up since they were able to bring someone up with Zimmerman going on the DL. Uh, Gilito down to AAA where he was headed before they called him up to make a, a couple spot starts there. Uh, Baker said he's unlikely to play Trey Turner in the outfield. It will uh, help out in the infield and back up, much to the anger of a, a lot of people on our site who don't understand why Trey Turner isn't playing every day when he's up here. But uh, Clint Robinson got the start tonight. He had a two-run home run. I don't know how much of Trey Turner we're going to see in the next uh, couple games before the All-Star break or if he's going to be up after that. But what do you think about the moves, uh, especially disappointing uh, having Zim go on the DL again? Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff there to, to, to pack into, into a couple minutes. But, yes, uh, it's definitely disappointing to see Zimmerman go on the disabled list. Um, you know, it, it sounds like it was a uh, it was an acute thing where it was a swing that something happened and um, and requiring him to to shut it down for a little while. Uh, I can't say it's surprising. I mean, this is six straight years now that Zimmerman's gone on the disabled list where he's lost at least fifteen uh, fifteen playing days. And um, with a rib cage slash oblique injury, you never know how long uh, that type of thing is going to take. It could be two weeks. It could be two months. So hopefully it's just two weeks, and when he gets back, uh, he can continue. Um, you know, with the, with the recent, uh, um, you know, the, the recent goodness that he was providing. But um, it's just another um, another tough knock for a guy that's having a rough season. Um, you know, for for the team value and for for him as well. It's just it's hard to see Ryan Zimmerman not doing well uh, if you're a Nats fan. Um, as for the other moves. Um, you know, Giolito was not very good the other night. His fastball command was very spotty. Um, if he wasn't tipping his curveball, um, the Mets were just given instructions to lay off of it because I don't think they swung it at more than one or two of his curveballs all night long. Uh, he threw a really nice changeup to, to Neil Walker, um, the left-handed batter there. But, um, you know, Giolito is going to be a guy that's going to live and die really on his fastball location. And, um you know, it's still a work in progress. It was in the minor leagues. He'd have games where he looked really, really good, and then games like last night where he couldn't command his fastball, and he was still throwing strikes, but it wasn't where he wanted them. Um, and and when he was bringing them down in the zone, he was getting teed off on. So it wasn't surprising that, that he got sent back down. Um, in retrospect, it's kind of surprising that that they went to him at all for the two spot starts. And just because according to Dusty Baker, the plan all along was to send him back down after this start before the all-star break. So, um, you know, it was interesting timing that with Ross going on the disabled list, but uh, um, with a guy like Austin Voth, who's, uh, who's been very good this year for Syracuse, uh, Reynaldo Lopez, who has frankly been putting up better numbers than Giolito in the minor leagues. Um, it's just, it's surprising that they went to him for, for two spot starts just to send him right back down. Uh, as for Trey Turner, um, 
as with much of Natstown, I'm surprised that he's backed up only to sit on the bench. I mean, it doesn't do him any good. It doesn't do the team any good. Um, he should be playing every day, whether it's here or in Syracuse. He really doesn't have anything to benefit by playing in Syracuse. But, um, but as we know, at this point, they're not going to move Espinosa um, to, to bring in Turner. Espinosa is pr- producing enough that, um, you know, even though he's gone back into his uh, three strikeouts and four bats um, for the last couple of nights, um, so it's, it's, it's surprising that if they're going to bring up a guy to, to sit on the bench, that, that it was Trey Turner instead of somebody else. Um, Michael Taylor, glad to have you back. I don't think anything's changed off of four games worth of at-bats in Syracuse, but, uh, um, but he's a big league player and really he is what he is. And, and I don't think any more, any more seasoning in AAA is going to change what, what type of player Michael, Michael Taylor is right now. In Giolito's defense and, uh, like you said, his fastball command wasn't there. His secondary stuff wasn't there. Dusty Baker said after the game, basically, they were just sitting on all of his off-speed stuff and keying in on his fastball. And when he wasn't locating it, you saw it happen. He got hit pretty hard. So I'm not too surprised either with him. But I, I will attest, as I said in his defense, that it was hot as blank out there in City Field. Uh, you could see he clearly <laughs> sweated through his jer- his jersey. You could, they noted on the broadcast that his jersey and his pants were completely different colors by the time he was done out there. It was not a comfortable night in City Field, so tough way to go there. But he'll go down to AAA, be able to pitch through the All-Star break, and probably a good thing for him. He was headed there beforehand, like I said, so probably not a bad idea to get him down there against some veteran hitters, the kind of stuff he'll face in the majors, and get a little more work before he comes up because the command wasn't there. I think uh, Baseball America released their midseason top 100 today, too, and a couple scouts noted the same thing, that the command just isn't completely there yet, so... Probably not a bad idea for him to get some more work. Nationals, two more games before the so-called first half of the season is over. Max Scherzer against Logan Barrett tomorrow night, 7:15. It's a national broadcast on Fox, which just ruins it for everybody. Seven, 52 and 36 on the year after tonight's win, three to one final in City Field. Talk to you after tomorrow night's game, sir. Have a good night. Talk okay, after.